0: They weren't getting all this information, so they were using their pagan astrology to figure all of this out. So God was obviously using what was their culture and their religious practices and their sort of understanding of the world, and he used that to point the way to Jesus. It's pretty cool, isn't it? So, I mean, if God can use pagan astrology uh, to point the way to Jesus, I'm pretty sure I could like hijack a couple of Hollywood movies. I think that's fair enough. I think I'm within within the boundaries there. And uh, of course, no series would be complete without the most Christmassy movie of all, Elf. I love that movie. I see a lot of you have watched it. It's kind of become a little bit of a tradition for me and my family. And do you realize that it's actually 17 years old? The movie is, I, like, I felt like it's just come out recently, but no, it is already a surly, grumpy teenager. It's, it's gone a long way. The kid in the movie, Michael, he is just getting ready to celebrate his 29th birthday. It just makes me feel really old. <laughs> yeah, anyway. But still, after nearly two decades, one of the funniest Christmas movies ever made, Yes. Yes, because I will not hear an argument otherwise. It is the funniest Christmas movie ever made. All right, so where are we going with this one? As Nate says, I call this one Daddy Issues because at the heart of this movie is a tale told a million times. A, 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 a story of a child yearning to be connected to his father, right? I mean, he's, he's kind of realized that elves don't grow over six feet and he's, he's realizing he's not an elf. And so he's looking for his father. That's the whole point of this movie, is he goes on this journey to find his father, to reconnect with him, to reunite with him. And it's really kind of a powerful story, isn't it? In fact, it's a story that really connects to a lot of us. I think one of the reasons it's such an enduring story is because it really cuts to the heart of human nature. That and we really can't get enough of seeing Will Ferrell spray perfume in his mouth and then whine like a two-year-old. It's just absolutely classic. But we hear this story so many times in our movies, in our songs, from our friends. People who don't know their parents or are disconnected from their parents, yearning and striving to know who they are. Or people who have a disconnected or broken relationship with their parents and often specifically the father causes brokenness and disconnection that flows out from their life. And I'm eminently aware that there's probably people in both camps here this morning, people who don't really know who their father was, they weren't there, maybe they were there but they've kind of disconnected in their own way or they have a troubled relationship with their father. And there's such brokenness that comes from a, an, an unconnection or disconnection from our parents. And we ask the question, why? Why does that cause so much turmoil? And the answers always come back the same. And I'll be very interested for those who are experiencing this and are living this, if this is the case for you. But people say that they just don't know who they are until they know who their parents are. Or if they don't know their parents well, they don't know themselves well. Their identity is incomplete. They don't know where they came from or who they came from. And so there's such a large part of themselves that they can't come to terms with. They can't understand about themselves. They don't know themselves. And if they don't know themselves... How can they find their place in the world? How can they find that belonging? It's much harder, isn't it? It's a very interesting sort of dynamic that happens. This is what drove Buddy the Elf out of the North Pole. As soon as he found out that he wasn't an elf, he felt like he didn't belong. And he strived and yearned to find that belonging. And that belonging came not just with other humans, but with the human created him, his parents, his father specifically. So we're dealing with issues of identity, of belonging, and acceptance. And any counselor or psychologist will tell you that these are the things that cut to the very core of humanity, of who we are. So yeah, kind of a big deal. But you know what? I think there's something even bigger at play here. Because I believe that this dynamic of yearning for that connection with parents is not just true of our earthly parents, but also our spiritual parent. And I think this uh, is revealed in a very critical verse at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. God has created everything, and he's created humanity, and this is what he says, or what it says about it. It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there's this this strong concept of made to look like, in some way, God. Right? Now, very, very quick survey of human history tells us that humanity is obsessed with the existential questions, right? Who am I? Where did I come from? What's my place in this universe? And we've searched high and low in this world to find those answers. We've even extended out into the universe itself. We're reaching for the stars, not just to see what's out there, but to see what's in here. To understand ourselves, we're searching through the universe. We've asked science to answer these questions for us. We've asked philosophy to answer these questions. We've asked the arts and music and movies and stories to answer these questions for us. But I believe the key is right there in Genesis. We cannot truly understand ourselves until we understand the Father who made us. We cannot know who we are as humans until we see and accept the image of God implanted in our DNA. So we find ourselves yearning searching for that connection we want acceptance we want um, that um, identity and that belonging and we find ourselves yearning for that connection for where we came from our dad right does that make sense we're tracking and i'm pretty sure the bible has something to say about connecting to our dad right so we're going to read a passage uh, from Luke chapter 15, but I thought instead of listening to me read it, we thought we would employ our newest father to come and talk about this. It's a story of a father and a son. Um, in fact, it's interesting that this story of a father and a son is one of the most famous and enduring stories that Jesus told, because again, we yearn for that connection. So Phil Morris, who is waiting for Bubs to, to come out, um, but it's still a dad, you know, right now. So uh, he's going to come up and he's going to read this story
1: for us. Is that working? Perfect. Oh, I hate microphones. Okay. <laughs> um, yep. So like Hamish said, um, I'm sure you'll all be very familiar with it. It's a parable of the lost son. Um, so to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his, son, told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed and divided his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his son packed up all of his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. About the same time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into the fields to feed his pigs the young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs started to look good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a servant. So, He returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening up. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead, and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began.
0: Thank you very much. Well done, Phil. All right, so, you can see some similarities there, can't you, between this story of the prodigal son and the movie Elf. I mean, it's sort of... The inciting incident, as, you were, if, as it were, was this sort of crisis moment of realization that I need my father. I need to find my father. And it starts this epic journey home as Alf went, he went through the magical candy cane forest, whereas the prodigal son probably just you know walked the road. But it's like trying to get back and to reunite with his father. But there are a couple of differences to the story. And that's what I want to kind of hone in on today. The first one is that Buddy didn't do anything wrong, right? He didn't do anything wrong other than being, you know, a little weird. It's not like he abandoned his dad or anything. The prodigal son, on the other hand, yeah, he really messed up. I mean, even to our modern ears, what this kid did was pretty horrible. I mean, going up to your old man and saying, you're just not dying quick enough. I want my inheritance, give me my money. I mean, that's pretty brutal, right? I mean, hopefully we're not contemplating doing things of that nature. But to the ears of the ancient culture hearing this, it was beyond brutal. It wasn't just hurting someone's feelings. I mean, those of you who have kind of uh, grown up in a shame-honor culture, like uh, Maori culture or Pacifica culture or Asian cultures, you'll probably understand this better than I even. But what the son did to the father was incredible dishonor. He dishonored his family and himself and his whole people with his behavior. It was unspeakably offensive. And that's really important to think about because this is what we did to God. We need to understand that what we did to him as a human race, we betrayed and dishonored him. It's not just that we disobeyed and broke rules. We created shame in that relationship, and we shamed ourselves, and we shamed him. It's like we went up to him and says, you know, we really like this world that you made us. It's pretty nice. You know, it's pretty, it's beautiful. We like living here. You know, we, we, like, we like love, like love." That's good. Um, Fried chicken's pretty nice. We're enjoying all of this, but what we don't like is you. Really, you're the problem here. In fact, it would be better if you never existed. That would be good, because you're kind of getting in the way of what we're trying to do here. So you go away. We're just going to keep this stuff here. We're going to enjoy living here, but you need to get going. You need to just stay out of our lives. Oh, and also, can you tell your people to leave us alone? Because they're really annoying. (laughs) The point is, Buddy had every reason to expect that his father would accept him. But the, a prodigal son, and by extension us, we have no such reason. We have no reason to expect our father to accept us because we have dishonored him so much. We belong in the pig slot. Which of course leads us to the second major difference between Alf and the prodigal son. Check out this clip. Please. Hello? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You come. I love you for coming. Officer Tom, this is my dad. This is Walter. Okay? He bailed me out. They gave me one phone call. They gave me one phone call. I said, I know who I'm gonna call. Walter Hobbs. Sure enough, you showed up. You did. They said you weren't gonna show up. They told me so many times. Just who the heck are you and what is your problem?
1: I'm Buddy. I'm your son.
0: Tell me, tell me, tell me. uh, Where'd you get this picture? Papa Elf gave it to me. Some kind of game. What do you want? Some money? No, I just wanted to meet you, and I thought you might want to meet
1: me. Wouldn't want to meet you.
0: I thought maybe we could make gingerbread houses and eat cookie dough and go ice skating and and maybe even hold hands. Mm
1: -hmm. Come with me.
0: It's interesting, he goes right from there to the doctor to get a, a paternity test because he wants to make sure that if he can get out of this kid, this situation, he would. Do you notice a slight subtle difference in the way that Buddy's dad reacted to him and then the way that the prodigal son's dad reacted to him? Buddy did absolutely nothing wrong. Again, Aside from me coming on a little strong and the costume. But apart from that, look, he did nothing wrong, and yet it takes the entire movie for his dad to accept him. In contrast, listen again to the way that the prodigal son, remember, who doesn't deserve anything, is received by his father, and by extension, us and God. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, which for an older man to run in that culture, you just don't do that. He embraced him and kissed him. Incredible. It's just absolutely incredible. The uncontrollable power of God's story is that no matter how much we have dishonored him, No matter how many times we have ignored him, rebelled against him, spat in his face, he stands at his gate and he searches out at the horizon, waiting, yearning for us to appear, coming home. And then he runs out to meet us and he wraps us up in his arms and he embraces us. How incredible is that? How absolutely incredible is that? I said Christmas is going to hit us all in different ways. For some, it is a welcome relief for the end of the year. I mean, we are ready to turn that page on 2020 and just burn it from the history books, get started on another year. For some, it's a reminder of all of the blessings that we have in our friends and our families, what we could have lost but didn't. And for our Savior. But look, for others, we recognize that it's going to be a difficult time. And that Christmas is going to amplify those burning questions. Who am I? Where do I fit in this world? Wherever you are, my prayer for you this Christmas is that you take the opportunity to connect with your Father the one who created you, the one who gives you your purpose, the one who defines your identity, the one who welcomes you with open embrace. Everybody needs a dad at Christmas and there is one waiting for us. Let me pray. Lord, we just thank you we thank you for being a father to us we thank you for sending your son to reconnect us to you not just to fix the things that we've done wrong he did that and we're thankful for that but to reconcile us and wipe our shame away We have shamed ourselves and we have brought shame to your name by the way that we have acted. Even after we accept you, we continue to act that way. But you wipe that away and you reconcile us and you give us honor. You put your arms around us. You put a ring on our fingers, a sign of incredible honor. We are favored by you. It just doesn't make sense. But we're thankful. This Christmas, Lord. We just want to take some time to remember what you have given us to reconnect with you, to solve our daddy issues with a father who truly loves and cares for us. It's in your name we pray, amen.